All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, talking to you from the borough of Queens in New York City. And this is the 25th of January, 2022. Uh, I'd like to remind you I'm the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. You can sign up for that by going to miningstocks.com. We'd like to encourage you to consider signing up for Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? And Chen will be with me momentarily to give you some of his ideas. Uh, you can sign up for Chen's letter by going to chenpicks.com, chenpicks.com. I want to thank all of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. I'd also like to encourage you to send along what other comments, whatever comments you might have about this show, we'd like to hear from you, either pro or con. It's always good to hear from our listeners. And we do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Uh, today's sponsors, Novo Resources, Eloro Resources, Hannon Metals, Irving Resources, Lion One Metals, SK Mining Corp, Firefox Gold, and Timberline Resources. Title today's show, Note to the Fed, The Laws of Mathematics Still Apply. John Rubino, Patrick Highsmith, and Ken- Chen Lin uh, are my guests today. The big Keynesian fantasy that a country can forever become wealthy by consuming more than it produces has seemed believable to Americans because we have owned the world's reserve currency. That meant for the past number of decades, the Federal Reserve could create money out of nothing, out of thin air, so to speak, to enable Americans to buy foreign goods rather than Americans earning income through export sales to pay for those imported goods. But alas, the Federal Reserve and and America cannot defy the laws of mathematics because money isn't exactly created out of thin air. Fiat money is manufactured with debt. So, decade after decade, America continued to consume more than it produced. Its debt relative to income has risen to the point where the United States is now, you could argue, technically insolvent. Because of excessive unearned money creation by the Fed, America is now approaching double-digit levels of inflation akin to the late 1970s. But unlike 1980, when when a 20% Fed funds interest rate was required to break the back of double-digit inflation, America's debt load is so large now that not even a one-quarter of 1% Fed funds rate or even a 2% rate on the 10-year Treasury can occur without triggering the next stock market crash. In fact, the equity markets are having difficulty now at about 1.7 on the uh, 1.75 or so on the 10-year Treasury. With the entire American economy now dependent on rising stock prices rather than rising GDP, the only likely option for the Fed, in my view, is to continue with the money-creating Keynesian fantasy that the U.S. towards driving the U.S. towards hyperinflation and very possibly a global currency reset. John Rubino will opine on America's precarious economic state and how we should prepare ourselves uh, for what is to come when he's with me in the second half of today's show. Patrick Highsmith will be with me momentarily after our first commercial break to give us an update on Firefox Gold's exploration project. In Finland, they had some exciting news that was put out this morning. He'll be here to talk about that right after, as I say, right after our first commercial break. But right now, I'm happy to tell you that Chen Lin is with me to share his thoughts as we start this new year, 2022. Thanks for joining me, Chen. Thank you, Jay. Glad to be here. It's really good to have you. Uh, well, let's, tar- let's start out with gold and silver. Um, what are your outlook uh, for those precious metals as we heading into this year? I know you always have some unique views uh, on those metals, given your connections with China and all, but what are your thoughts? 
Right. This is a, based a very interesting year. You know, China cutting interest rate. China already cut three times. The Fed going to raise interest rate. Fed supposed to raise three to four times. All right, this year. <clears throat> uh, historically, when that happened, usually it's a big turnaround of gold. It happened twenty uh, fourteen to sixteen and twenty eighteen. Every time gold turnaround screen higher. But the reason is uh, the world economy is quite connected. Right, the China see a weakened economy. Right. And the United States is trying to raise interest rate, and it usually means somewhere in the middle. That means the Fed cannot fulfill what they plan. Okay, they just said exactly as you said. It's just when the Fed raising interest rate, there's a look at the stock market, look at all the other. Soon will be housing market, when the other bubble will crash down to the earth. So that uh, its pain is unbearable. So every time, okay, this happens. Go turn around. Initially, weaken a little bit, and then just turn around. Budget, but this year so far, gold has been very, very strong. And we are at eighteen fifty now. It's amazing, you know. Ahead of Chinese New Year next year, next week. So, uh, very, very interesting setup. So, Chen, do you believe uh, the Chinese New Year is key? Is there a lot of buying the Chinese New Year as the New Year approaches? Right, Chinese then, currency has, has been appreciating in the past few months, okay, which means mm-hmm. gold, even U.S. dollar is dollar index going higher, uh, the, the, but in Chinese consumer, which is the biggest gold consumer in the world, gold is actually getting cheaper in the past few months. So uh, Chinese uh, New Year usually the the peak of the gold physical consuming uh, period. And so there could be a little bit of weakness uh, right after Chinese New Year. But it will be interesting if any weakness will be buying opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about silver? Oh, I'm very bullish on silver uh, because last year has a huge disappointment because solar panel couldn't, you know, they just demand, they couldn't pick up the production because of the supply, supply chain shortage, component shortage. I think have been resolved. Uh, solar panel we said to have an explosive growth this year. And then China, if you saw my newsletter, they just announced they're going to build a 13 high-voltage transmission line mm-hmm. so that that's to support part of the solar industry, right? Because solar is more to the west, Xinjiang area, like desert area, uh, perfect for solar, but Beijing is uh, on the other east side. So they need those high-voltage transmission lines. So they will, they should, we should see a rapid expansion of solar panel. Again, China is about 90% solar panel production in the world, right? So that's uh, very, very important. And then silver is, uh, uh, silver, so, you know, for silver, solar panel is the largest industrial, uh, you know, demand. It's about 10%. Mm-hmm. So that's set up very well for silver. Mm-hmm. Physical demand for silver. And, of course, there's people that still buy it uh, as an investment or as a monetary metal. Uh, Chen, just real quickly, what about if... If you have an inflationary view this year, and I think you probably do, what about commodities in general? Let's say, what about oil, for example, or some of the base metals? Any quick thoughts on that? Okay, well, the oil and base metals kind of depends on the Fed. I don't think Fed can raise interest rates much. They may mm-hmm. do a few wrong. I mean, one or two, you know, 25 basis points, and then... They will have to wait and see, right? The economy weakened, and they will stop raising rates. So I think they, they, all you, uh, um, all the other commodities may have extended wrong. Unless Fed just keep on raising interest rates, that will drive us into next recession. That's a different mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And then base metals uh, look out. Probably won't do similar. So well. Yeah, similar yeah. base metal, and also base metal benefit like uh, copper, cobalt, you know, nickel mm-hmm. benefit about electrified. Right, right. The that's green metal. So that that's also benefit. Yeah, benefit. Demand from China and elsewhere. All right. Well, let's get into uh, the biotechs just briefly with another about four minutes left here yet. Uh, Amaris and Snaptogenics are a couple of your favorites. I think um, you want to talk about those real quickly. Yeah, real quickly. I've been picking up more Amaris. It dropped below four dollar, which is uh, technically, you know, it's. This is a good place to buy. I mean, they raised money when they were eight and nine dollars a few months ago, and uh, convertible conversion price almost eleven, so six six hundred fifty million, right? Six hundred fifty mm-hmm. million dollars—that's mm-hmm. a huge raise. 
So uh, it's a stock cut in half, but you have to look forward, right? I mean, if you look at it into 2025, and the company guiding at least $2 billion in revenue, $2 billion is a B. Mm-hmm. And then over $1.5 billion is accounted for. They, they, they can see the growth. They, they mm-hmm. hope they will exceed that. But if you just look at $2 billion, their margin is about 60 70%. And as wow. they building mm-hmm. their own plant, their margin mm-hmm. should increase by 10%. Well, you just say maybe not 10%, how about 5%. So mm-hmm. instead of 66 and 65, you go to 70%. If the 70% margin, $2 billion, they will generate $1 billion of free cash flow. Okay, that's mm-hmm. more than Netflix. So mm-hmm. you think about that, that's the future, and then they basically, they can come into any industry, and then they can make the material, right? They, they already come into the... Uh, cannabis market with CBG with the uh, George CBG. Why they create C- CBG not CBD? Because CBG is the most expensive one. So can mm-hmm. they can produce CBD? They can produce TCHC if they want to. I mean, once they get more plants running, so they can basically kill all these uh, other you know cannabis growing industry because their their methods are so, so much more efficient. Right? They yeah. cost about five hundred dollar per ton. So it's very, very hard to compete with them. And so anyway, it's a disruptive industry. And then if mm-hmm. you generate $1 billion and more than Netflix, how, what if they have Netflix type of, I'm not saying they would, market cap, mm-hmm. you're looking at triple digits, right? So mm-hmm. that's where the upside is. I mean, mm-hmm. so, but for investors, I, I, we talked about before, the market is so bad. What makes my stick my head in and buy here? Because mm-hmm. of the future, mm-hmm. that's the reason. Yeah, longer term, next year or longer, two. And you have to look time. at the longer term. They're fully funded. You don't need. To, they don't need to raise money. So mm-hmm. they just execution, right? So you think uh, if they have a hiccup, they have delay of the plan. Those are things you I, I worry more than just the stock price. If they can execute, the stock will go much much higher from here. Yeah, a disruptive story, as you say, synthetic biotechnology company, and really doing things that no one else is doing, or at least not doing as efficiently as they are. All right, with just another minute or so left here, what about synaptogenics? And this is this is a long shot, I think, but it could be a really big if they're successful and they're dealing right. with uh, neurodegenerative neuro diseases. Right. right, it's out for Alzheimer's, and then mm-hmm. they can reverse Alzheimer's. That's their, and then their, their trial is funded by NIH, which most, most uh-huh. think wouldn't get NIH funding. And then their result will come out at, at the end of this year. So that that's a thesis. Very simple. The market is very, very tiny. It's one of one hundreds of their competitors. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing uh, 6.7 million shares, Chen, if that's all there is, at, at 7.5 bucks earlier today, something like a $50 million market cap or something like that. Does that right. sound right? The competitor usually a billion dollars, yes. <laughs> yeah. If they're successful, yeah. the upside is enormous, right? So it's a, it's a long shot, but... But reward is huge, right? So that's yeah. why you you invest yeah. in yeah, yeah in, in those Low, companies. So. Lower risk, but uh, potentially a very very high return. And then I know that Tresita is one that's doing extremely well. They're uh, really uh, slowing down the kidney disease, uh, a degenerative kidney problems, right? So they can keep people off of the uh, right, uh, right, uh, yeah. And so Good. that is one that's really doing well, and you you have high hopes for them as well, I think. Yeah, very high hope. I, 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 this is exactly what we, we bought last year. I mean, the stock almost tripled, but it's, it's still the same. It probably will triple again and uh, again and again because the, they already have phase three, right? They already have phase successful phase three. FDA wouldn't accept their salary approval because uh, FDA want them to do an outcome study. So the outcome study is going to stop in Q2 and result into Q3 from all the indicators. Pointing, if you go to the later presentation, it's probably 99% chance of successful. Right? Wow. So, and then you put those in, and then put the CKD market at 60 billion, and then growing rapidly, probably to 100 billion, because of people have dialysis, all these uh, kidney mm-hmm. transplant. So, that it's very, very uh, severe disease, and this mm-hmm. could be the best selling drug in the world if they are successful. And then look at their market cap, so tiny. Right? So, there's a lot of upside from here, and of course, it has a very long term. The approval will be next year, at the end of um, 
2023. But they, they, I think the stock can appreciate a lot as they're making more and more progresses. Excellent. All right. We'll have to leave it go with that, Chen. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure hearing from your story. You have some great stories, and uh, we'll want to keep up with you in the future going forward. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Jay. All right, folks. Well, don't go away. Patrick Highsmith will be with me and um, right after the break to talk about Firefox Gold. They had some very good news that came out this morning, and he'll, um, he'll give us uh, an update on that. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SK Mining Corp. Trading under the symbol ESK on the TSX Venture and ESKYF on the OTCQB is a mineral exploration company targeting precious metals, rich VMS deposits in the heart of British Columbia's Golden Triangle. SK Mining controls a prospective land package totaling 130,000 acres, which lies across a geologic trend that once hosted the prolific SK Creek Mine. With a world-renowned geological team, funding in place, and shareholders such as Eric Sprott, SK Mining is on the cusp of a world-class discovery. Go to skmining.com to subscribe for updates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back, Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have Patrick Highsmith with us once again today. He's here to talk about Firefox Gold Corp., and um, it's really good to have him with us, especially on a day in which the company had a lot of good news. And Patrick, as, as you uh, regular listeners know, he's a very experienced uh, geologist, having worked with major gold mining companies in the past, mining companies like Rio Tinto, BHB, Til- uh, Bilton, and uh, Newmont, and uh, uh, several others, Fortescue Metals, for example, and uh, around the world has been involved with over 250 projects and all from early exploration all the way up to uh, up to the feasibility uh, level of, uh, of uh, discovery and, pro- and progress for these projects. And uh, I'm really glad to have him with us today. Thanks for joining me, Patrick. Great to be here, Jay. Thank you. It's good to have you, and uh, I should just tell our listeners, Firefox uh, trades in Toronto or in Canada, FFOX. You can buy it down here in the States as I have, FFOXF. 104 million shares outstanding. I think that's right. I hope that's right. Uh, Patrick, is the last time I had you on, I flubbed that one pretty badly, but I double-checked today. I think that's about right, and I saw you at $0.24 cents in U.S. money. Gives you a minuscule market cap of $25 million, which I think is... Well, for those people that own the stock, maybe not so exciting, but for those who might want to own it, could be very exciting. Um, let's talk about your progress and what you put out today, your uh, pro- your project in the Lapland Greenstone Belt. Uh, there's, I think there's four different projects that are that have been drilled, uh, but today you put some news out on the Mostajarvi project. Talk to us about, about that. Yes, Jay. The Musti RV has been the driver of our news for much of the last year. In fact, it was a year ago, almost exactly, Jay, that we announced an intercept of, uh, I think it was two meters of 33 grams over here in this, what we call Northeast Target. And no one really cared until we drilled visible gold and 100 grams per ton a little bit later, which we reported last June. Uh, so Musti RV is an emerging discovery, Jay. And, and today's news is is just one of those steps, right? We're, we're going back into a zone. Uh, we're calling it the high-grade zone. It has bonanza grade in it, so sometimes we call it the bonanza grade zone. But, but it's in this uh, area there at Musi RV, which has seen limited drilling, 
But when we hit the high-grade intervals last year, a couple of holes, Jay, that were around 150 gram meters, so, you know, grade mm-hmm. times thickness, mm-hmm. we really focused there. We consulted with some of our, you know, sort of uh, technical advisors, guys like Quentin Henney and, and Rich Goldfarb, and, and we, we decided, you know, we're going to stick pretty close to this. We know there's high-grade there. It's fairly shallow. The sweet spot is between 100 and 150 meters below surface. And we put uh, more holes close in, Jay, to really define the geometry. So that's what today's mm-hmm. results are about. And you would expect that we would hit gold, and we have. We drilled four holes in the first phase of this work that we've announced today. One of those uh, was right into that sweet spot of the high-grade zone, and we did hit a, a half meter of 130.5 grams per ton. Mm-hmm. It had visible mm-hmm. gold in it. It was, it was part of a meter and a half of almost 50 grams Numerous other intercepts, uh, a meter of 19 grams, uh, an adjacent hole hit three-quarters of a meter at 41.5 grams. So we've hit that high-grade zone, Jay, and uh, that's what we wanted. We wanted to see the, hit it again. Multiple holes gives us better geometry. And the real news here is we know now that the control on this zone, you have veins, Jay, if you, if you can picture a, a, a vein, like a quartz vein in a rock, in this case they're they're largely dipping south, but we've now mm-hmm. proven we have veins dipping north as well. So now mm. imagine that network of veins where they intersect, right? And if the rock is brittle, which this was mm-hmm. brittle, but, but it was mm-hmm. also quite deep, so it was starting to get a little ductile, the rock. In other words, the rock might mm-hmm. bend in places instead of break. But mm-hmm. when it's broken, we form these veins, and we now know we have gold in multiple directions. And we also know that it doesn't just dip to the south and get deeper and deeper, Jay. What it does mm-hmm. is it's infiltrated into lots of these cracks and crevices. And as I hope the audience can see in the figures with our news release today, you can see visually that there's a zone here that's kind of flat lying where the best part of the gold is. So the mm. veins sort of bend, and at that bend is where it opened up. It was dilatant, and that's really the news here. We have better control on where the high grade is, and now we can uh, we realize that it's open to the west and to the east. And this is where we've stepped out and drilled a couple of more holes already that we're already uh, in the lab and awaiting results for, Jay. So there'll be a bit more news as we chase that flat-lying zone. So, and, so that was the, the real news there at Musty Arby. Yeah, and so what are we looking at here in terms of the total strike length of, of what you've discovered so far with those step-outs? Well, that's the best. Yeah, that's the best part, Jay. So this was in what we call the northeast target, which in itself was about a six or 700-meter step-out from the discovery area, which mm-hmm, is called the mm-hmm. central zone. And we drilled high-grade over there, too, back in 2018, 2019. So we came out about 600 meters, found the northeast target. Then, as we also announced today, we went 750 meters away, and we're drilling parallel to this big fault called the Mustiarvi Shear Zone, and we drilled out there in what we call the East Target, uh, 750 mm-hmm. meters away, and that hole also uh, returned some uh, excellent results and very, very shallow. So now we're a total of 1.6 kilometers from the discovery area, and out there on that, that, that 750-meter step out, we had intercepts such as a meter of 11 grams, uh, 0.6 meters of, of 14.8 grams, and this is all less than 50 meters below surface, Jay. It's an entirely new hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's open in all directions, um, and uh, guess what? We'll be putting some drills there here very soon. So, uh, the, so now we have a total of 2.1 kilometers over which we've drilled gold, 1.6 kilometers over between holes, that have greater than 10 grams per ton in them, so high grade over 1.6 kilometers. And there's just a, a, a treasure trove of, of targets here, uh, Jay, and the drill will be coming back to Mustiarvi. We, we've, uh, we've taken a, a hiatus in the drilling just now, uh, and we'll have a few weeks off. The assays start to come back, and we'll be back at Mustiarvi uh, probably in uh, maybe even mid to late February. Um, and okay. uh, maybe maybe again late in the winter as well, the April-May part of the program. So we're still scheduling, but we will revisit at least three of our projects as we keep drilling until May. And clearly we're hitting gold like this at Mustiarvi with this much strike length and this much open targeting possibilities, Jay. We're super excited about it. We love how shallow it is. And sure, mm-hmm. a lot of these are narrow, high-grade hits, but with this much grade, 
and mm-hmm. the periodic mm-hmm. thicker intercepts, as we've had here. We've drilled 16.5 meters of almost 8 grams in hole right. 10 in that northeast area. So, so we will hit thicker zones, and the high grade is, uh, is really just uh, a treat to the eyes when we see that stuff come in. Yeah, and when we talk about gram meters, uh, you know, anything over like 100, I think you mentioned the number of 130 or something like that on some of these higher grade hits. We're talking about 1%. I think something like 1% of all the drill holes last year were of that of that kind of uh, magnitude. So these are really right, just... Jay. It's been a... It guides just, explorers. That kind of grade mm-hmm. thickness really guides us and, and differentiates the projects globally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, interesting. And now that you have three other uh, projects that you've been drilling, uh, do we have results yet back on from them? Uh, we don't have results yet, Jay. Uh, Musti Arvi was, as you can imagine, the first place we took the drill uh, when we mm-hmm. started drilling in, in October. We drilled here October, November, and results are out now. Uh, we've drilled each of our four permitted projects. Now, some of those are, are just sort of a little bit of scout drilling to test out uh-huh. A little geophysical target or something, and mm-hmm. such as our site of our prospect, which is very early days. Uh, Utsamo is a huge property, about 30 kilometers east of Mustiarvi, where we drilled, I think, five holes. Uh, and that's uh, in and amongst uh, the Orion properties over there in sort of the southeast mm-hmm. part of the belt. Orion Resources is our neighbor there. But I think uh, the audience will probably be aware of our Sarvi project, uh, Jay, and that's where the drill mm-hmm. has just departed. Sarvi lies immediately north of Rupert Resources' 4-million-ounce Ickery discovery. We have about 8 kilometers of strike length of, uh, of, of kind of a parallel trend there on the northern property boundary of Rupert. Uh, and uh, we've been doing base of till sampling as, as we press released last week. And we've gotten the first two holes ever drilled there. Uh, we had some anomalies in trench sampling and in base of till sampling that resulted in those first two targets. And we are re- getting more and more results in the drill. We'll be revisiting Sarvi uh, in the second half of our winter program. So really happy. You know, we went out and we said to, uh, to our followers that we will drill all four of our permitted projects this winter. We've already done it. We're about 4,000 meters, 4,500 meters maybe into our program, an expected ten to 11,000-meter program, Jay. So uh, right on track. Uh, the winter drilling's gone very well and really happy with these initial results from the program at Musti RV, and we look forward to, to more as we report on Utsamo and, uh, and Sarvi and Saitavara over the coming, you know, a couple of months here in the first quarter. So we should be seeing uh, quite a few drill results, I guess, coming out over the next several weeks or months. Absolutely. That's kind of the great thing about winter drilling. You get started in October and you're quiet for a few weeks with your news flow. But uh, once it starts, it'll sustain great news flow through the first quarter, uh, which is great news when you see the gold market uh, starting to move as it has been. One thing I'm wondering, how far apart are these various targets that you have that, you you know, the, very, the, yeah. the four, let's say the four? Sure. Yeah. No. It's a good. It's a good question, and our our presentation on our website will give the, the audience a good uh, image of that. But but if you picture uh, Jay, uh, you know um, something like a, a maybe a hundred kilometer long belt here. Um, things like, properties like Mustiarvi are kind of centered in the belt, and then maybe mm-hmm. thirty kilometers out to to uh, Utsamo and Saitavara, which is right over by the town of Sadankula. So great highway access there mm-hmm. and then you go about sort of 20 kilometers northwest of there and you get into the area around the Ikari discovery and our sarvi project again with good road access into mm-hmm. that area but then you, you could jump as far as 50 to 60 kilometers away we have property out on the west side of the belt near mm-hmm. the near the city of kitala on, on the sort of west end mm-hmm. of the belt so i would say it's a band jay of about 60 or 80 kilometers lengthwise from one end to the other of our tenements and maybe about 40 kilometers in kind of a northeast southwest direction that our tenements mm-hmm. are held some of which are early stage and aren't even drill ready yet so so we have Greenfield's work that's still progressing on some of the other projects. But the right. four ready so, ones are in that, they're within 20 or 30 kilometers of each other. Right. So easy enough for your exploration people to get from one project to the next and the drills and all that. Uh, just, just thinking ahead, if, there, if, you, if you're fortunate enough to find one or more, several uh, viable deposits, then maybe there could be some sort of hub and spokes project, of course, I'm a little bit ahead of myself, I realize that, but <laughs> I, well, you, I always like you know, to think about the future. 
Well, we all picture mining districts, and really what you have here, Jay, is one big gold mine operated by Agnico Eagle, about 30 kilometers north of Mustiarvi, for instance, the Kitala Mine, paved highways between it and us, and so these opportunities exist. Uh, you know, if, if Mustiarvi is a smaller, you know, maybe a million ounces or several hundred thousand ounces of high grade, could be a satellite operation for someone. But it, with such great infrastructure, Jay, there'll be no problem developing the discoveries when they're made. But we're just uh, just getting started in Lapland. As as I told you many times before, this was a really underexplored belt. And so the discoveries are just now starting to come. And we hope to see lots of that hub and spoke vision that you have. So uh, so here's hoping that you're right about that. But things do yeah. fit together nicely up there with all the great access. Yeah, and again, folks, listening to this uh, story, it's only a $25 million market cap in U.S. money. Keep that in mind and uh, keep your eyes on the, on, the, uh, on the assays as they come out in the next number of weeks. Uh, just one more thing before we conclude here. Your, fun, your, your funding situation, are you all right? Are you funded for this year's program? Yeah, we, we're fully funded for the the program that we've been talking about up to this point, Jay. We mm-hmm. we uh, we've got you know around a million dollars or something in the bank now. However, uh, in the latter half of the year, how much we drill depends on uh, a number of factors, and one of which sure. is uh, a savvy audience will see Firefox has lots of in the money warrants, Jay. Oh, we don't okay. intend to do any big ec- we don't intend to do any big equity issuances, but we have had a lot, lot of warrant exercises going on. So. So uh, we'll we'll manage that as we go forward, and we never spend money we don't have. But right now, the stock's actually been doing very well, Jay. As you say, we're a small company, but a year ago, uh, you know, we uh, or two years ago, sorry, we were looking at a, a ten cent stock, and investors mm-hmm. have had a great run since then. And we intend to go forward, not backward, Jay. So uh, uh, hopefully, uh, the, the strategy all makes a lot of sense. And we see a lot of those warrants converting from warrants to shares. And, of course, that brings an investment in the company to do that. Yeah, and I I might say I think there's a reasonable amount of volume for a a market cap of your size as well. So that's a good thing to note as well. All right, well, thank you so much, Patrick, for being with us. Uh, Great story, and uh, we're going to be watching this one closely. You can bet on that. So thank you very much. Well, folks, uh, we are going to go to break now, but don't go away because uh, John Rubino will be back with us. Uh, John Rubino of dollarcollapse.com to talk about his views on the markets as we head into this year. Thank you uh, once again, and we'll be right back with John Rubino. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Lion One Metals is focused on high-grade gold in Fiji, led by legendary Canadian financier Walter Barakoff. Lion One is permitted for production and drilling for discoveries in one of the most exciting high-grade gold projects in the prolific South Pacific Ring of Fire. Lion One trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol LIO and on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF. Go to our website at liononemetals.com for more information about Lion One Metals and high-grade gold in Fiji. Timberline Resources is a mineral exploration and resource development company focused on gold discovery in the world-class mining jurisdiction of Nevada. The company's flagship Eureka Project hosts a significant gold resource and drill-indicated upside potential at nearby higher-grade targets. Timberline Resources trades in Canada under the symbol TBR and on the OTCQB in the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. To learn more about this district-scale asset with exciting discovery potential, please visit www.timberlineresources.co. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, 
the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. I'm really happy to tell you that John Rubino is with us. We've had a little bit of a technical difficulty connecting with John, but he's with us finally, and we're very thankful that he's back with us. It's uh, dollarcollapse.com for all that John does. Uh, thank you for joining us, John. Hey, Jay. Yeah, weird technical issues today. Can you hear me well enough to do this on the yes, uh, the yeah, I'm using? I'm hearing you very well. I'm hearing you very well. Okay, good. <laughs> That's, okay. Uh, you and I will have to have a talk about our, our Skype connection after this. I, yeah. I think the yeah. trouble might be at my end, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, I, I titled today's show, Note to the Fed, The Laws of Mathematics Still Apply. We've had a massive level of inflation, of course, in the financial markets, especially since the Fed began quantitative easing after the financial crisis 2008. And stocks and bonds have risen dramatically. I mean, just unbelievably, making some people very, very wealthy. Uh, And nobody seemed to care too much about that kind of inflation. Uh, But now we're getting a different kind of inflation, and it seems like all of a sudden the people that didn't seem to be concerned before are now very concerned. Why do you think the change? Well... Let's put this bluntly. There's been a scam that's being run for the past really 30 or so years in which the big banks effectively took control of the government and they structured monetary and fiscal policy to enrich themselves, the bankers, the bankers' Mm -hmm. favorite customers, and the politicians who the super rich um, finance in their campaigns. Uh, mm-hmm. So what they've done is they've, um, you know, they take on any kind of risk imaginable, knowing that the Fed would bail them out. Um, and then when there is a crisis, the Fed bails them out by cutting interest rates, which impoverish savers mm-hmm. at the same time that it enriches the already rich by making stocks and bonds and real estate go up. And that's what we've seen mm-hmm. for the last 30 years. And it's taken asset prices to absolutely crazy levels, but, but like you said, um, the system considers stocks, bonds, and real estate going up good inflation. But right. now, inflation is starting to spread out. It's starting to, um, it's starting to impact food and cars and rent and the things that regular people have to buy. So we're, uh, you know, the rest of us are starting to figure out that there's a problem, and that's risking uh, a complete destabilization of the system. So now, uh, you know, now the Fed is in that box that we've been talking about for such a long time, where they either have to lean against this inflation by raising interest rates at the risk of blowing up the financial markets, or let inflation run at the risk of it running out of control and blowing up the financial markets. So we'll see, but we're kind of at the decision point right now. Yeah, well, that's such, you know, uh, Danielle DiMartino Booth recently said the Fed can't afford to raise rates, but it can't afford, it cannot afford not to raise rates because of the two problems. It's in this box. It, there's no, apparently no easy way out. There's going to be some sort of day of reckoning in one direction or the other. But I have to ask you, John, you know, you and I, I mean, your dollar collapse thing was your book with that you co-authored with, um, that you co-authored um, uh, with, um Jeez, my friend, James Turk, years ago, uh, in your website, uh, you could see this coming in a way. I mean, those of us, here's, here's the question I'm getting at. For years and years, it seemed to be people understood a long time ago that when money is created, when the money supply increases, it increases inflation. Why do you think citizens, you know, I mean, you said it's a scam. Well, it's a scam because the, the citizens have allowed the politicians and the bankers to get away with it, right? So... It seems to be a disconnect, a lack of understanding of this very basic, I mean, it's almost so elementary. Why don't people understand, why have they not understood that when the Federal Reserve increases money, it's not going to result in not only inflation, but a lot of other really bad things? Well, the, the, the basic principle at work here is debt, which yeah. feels really good at first. And then it only bites you after you've accumulated way too much of it. So we've been living, you know, every, every adult American has spent their entire lives living in an environment where debt um, gave pleasure, basically. In other words, the government had the ability to borrow money and create money out of thin air and do things with it that people perceived to be good without mm-hmm. any of the, the really bad side effects. 
So mm-hmm. now we're at the, uh, the later stage of the process when the bad side effects start to bite. So it, it shouldn't be a surprise that uh, people who have grown up their entire lives in a fiat currency system, which didn't, they didn't perceive to be a problem, never bothered to learn about the nature of money and mm-hmm. effects of debt because it was never a front burner issue for them. It was never necessary. Mm-hmm. So now um, we all have to educate ourselves about what money is, what role it plays in society, how it should be structured, what, you know, what constitutes good money versus bad money, all that stuff that people used to just kind of intuitively understand mm-hmm. is, uh, is a body of knowledge we have to acquire and it's going to be a painful process. You don't really, you know, as a human being, you don't learn new things unless you're forced to. <laughs> and we're going to be forced to learn these painful lessons uh, going forward here. And, it, you know, it's already starting. People are, are I'm, I'm hearing from more liberal friends who never thought about this stuff in the past um, asking me um, how to buy silver now. Because, you know, mm-hmm. conservatives and gold bugs and libertarians kind of got this for a while. Yeah. But, um, People who considered the government to be a force for good in the world and trusted the monetary authorities and who therefore didn't pay a lot of attention to this, they're starting to pay attention now because their costs are going up and the instability that, that's out there is becoming more and more obvious to them. So I think it's a really broad-based awakening that's happening right now. And you know what? Not a moment too soon. Yeah, well, I was going to say, if it's not too late already, uh, given the situation we just talked about, the Federal Reserve being in the box it's in, uh, which way do you think it will go, John? I mean, here we have interest rates that are, I think, 1.75 or something like that I saw a little bit ago on the 10-year Treasury. I think we have a Fed funds rate, if I'm not mistaken, of about a quarter of 1%. And I think we saw a Fed funds rate go up to nearly 20% when Paul Volcker, you know, when when the last time we had a serious inflation problem. And, of course, we know uh, that was a very deep recession, but we climbed out of it all right. We had a couple of decades of, of growth and, you know, good economy because we paid a price for it. But how much further, the equity market, I haven't watched it in the last hour or so, but how much, how much further can rates rise before we start having a real serious problem in the equity markets? Well, you can basically simplify the, this whole world right now to one number. The uh, yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury bond, mm-hmm. there's a point beyond which that yield will blow up the financial system because so many other things key off of the 10-year Treasury bond. And so much debt and so many derivatives have been created that only work while interest rates are relatively low. And so we don't know what that number is on the 10-year Treasury bond that's going to blow up the financial system, but the Fed... Yeah, is because it has to raise interest rates, has to push us in that direction. Mm-hmm. And they hope without pushing us beyond the number that, uh, that, that brings everything to a halt, but they don't know what that number is either. And I suspect it's not that high. You know, we're at, uh, what, 1.74, I think, today, the yield on the 10-year Treasury. Let's, let's say it goes up to two and a quarter, which is historically still pretty low. Yeah. It goes to that we will see some very serious effects from that because it makes mortgages get more expensive and it, it makes interest rate derivatives um, way more unstable and lots of other things. So uh, let's say we, we go there, which we could easily go there with inflation at 6 or 7%. Uh, that might be enough right there to give us a gigantic taper tantrum, you know, where stocks and bonds just tank in value, or stocks at least tank in value, uh, and the Fed is forced to back off. But if it has to back off and say, okay, we're done tightening, you know, now we're going to go back to, you know, pushing short-term interest rates down and everything in the face of inflation that is 6 or 7 or 8%, depending on the measure that you're looking at, uh, that is a, a historically um, scary event, you know, because it's never happened during the fiat currency experiment. The, the central banks were always able to push interest rates down in a deflationary environment. In other words, when stock prices crashed and that started to make everybody be afraid of prices actually going down instead of up, um, then easy money was justified and it wasn't too scary. But if inflation is already high and rising and the Fed starts easing again because it's afraid of the stock market tanking, uh, and that's a whole different thing. You know, that uh, mm-hmm. that is 
possibly the, the end of the fiat currency experiment. You know, it might be that crazy in the financial markets. And we might see it here pretty soon. You know, that might be a 2022 story since the Fed is apparently promising to raise interest rates next month or the month after. Um, you know, we, we could be seeing what we're talking about happening now actually happen sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Well, I just looked at the uh, at the tenure, and it's one point seven eight three now. It's up point uh, zero five, or five basis points on the day. And I see that the uh, the Nasdaq is starting down again, uh, down two percent. It was a, it was worse earlier today, but I mean, it's just really uh, kind of scary because here's the problem. You know, it, uh, not I. We're paying the piper now, so to speak, as you as you were suggesting, and. Uh, when the Fed pushes money into the system, it pushes interest rates down. And as you say, savers get punished. And then, you know, mute, uh, funds, the funds, the pension funds and the like have to get returns. Think about life insurance companies. They have to be able to have cash flow and returns to to meet the, you know, the, the demands from, from their people. Uh, and, they, and where are they going to go? Well, they're going out in, in the stock market. So if the equity market starts to tank, those things can go belly up. And I know that uh, Michael Oliver was pretty concerned about, and he was keeping his eye on some of the junk bond ETFs as well, because that's where a lot of those funds are, municipal bonds and so forth. So, I mean, it really is a very serious thing. Not only low interest rates result in malinvestment. People do foolish things when they can get money for nothing, don't have to pay for it. So they go out and take all kinds of speculative risks, and then... You know, when the economy implodes, those things all go to money heaven. So, I mean, this is really a very serious situation, I think. So, I guess the real question is, with just a few minutes left to go here, what should we be doing? What should average investors be doing right now, John? And then, you know, some people thought cryptocurrencies would be, especially younger people. Younger people said, wait a minute, the Fed is creating all this money after 2008, the financial crisis. Is This is really... This is ridiculous. We don't want our savings to go to zero. Let's get into Bitcoin, which has a limited supply at least, you know. But the cryptos have not been keeping up very well uh, with, the, uh, uh, with, 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 the, with anything. Uh, they're up a little bit today. I see some of them are. But they've really taken a hit versus gold. What are your thoughts? And, and then maybe what do you think, in general, where should people be going? What should they be doing right now? Obviously staying out of debt, but beyond that. Well, yeah, you want to get as far away from financial assets as possible. That is, don't, you know, don't be buying bond funds right now. Try not to, to uh, own any more dollar cash than you have to and, and move your extra money into real assets. You know, gold and silver, various kinds of real estate, energy assets, things like that that governments can't just inflate away. Now, cryptos are uh, an emerging asset class that, uh, you know, we're still figuring out what it is and what role it plays in the monetary system. And right now, the big crypto coins, Bitcoin and Ethereum and uh, a few of the others, they trade like tech stocks. In other words, they're mm-hmm. risk-on assets. When people are excited, they buy cryptos just like they might buy Apple or Google or Netflix yeah. or, or Tesla. Um, so they tend to trade um, in line with the NASDAQ. Uh, whereas gold, you know, the contrast between gold and Bitcoin lately has been astounding. But gold is just sitting there, you know. It's, it's right in its range in the 1800s where it's been for a couple of years now. Um, so it's impervious to all the stuff that's happening out there, at least at the moment, whereas um, Bitcoin is extremely volatile. Uh, so if you want stability, um, right now you still want physical assets. So gold and silver should be your money. Um, and, uh, you know, cryptos may work out. They may be this, this brilliant new innovation that ends up dominating the monetary system. But right now, they're, they're risky assets that, uh, that can go way up and can go way down. So there's a place for that in a portfolio. But if you're looking for protection, in other words, return of capital rather than return on capital, gold and silver are probably the place to be right this minute. Mm-hmm. So as you and, said, gold and the mining is just stocks, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the mining stocks, of course, are a different ballgame. They're a different risk profile. Uh, there you need to make money when you're pulling stuff out of the ground. But um, so, but anyway, gold is just sitting there. Uh, silver is a little more volatile. But uh, what do you think then, 
do we have to? You, what do you think might be the catalyst to drive the precious metal stocks significantly higher? Because as you say, they're just pretty much sitting there now. Okay, the, the catalyst that just sends these things to the moon, precious metals, is when the Fed capitulates this time. In other words, when the financial markets get crazier and crazier and more and more volatile and scary, and the Fed turns around and says, oh, we're not going to ease anymore. You know, we'll, we'll start actually cutting rates going forward, and we'll, we'll increase QE and, uh, and all of that stuff that you love in the financial markets. We're going to go back to doing it again. Uh, and if they do that in the face of inflation that's way above target, then people are going to conclude that we will never have tight monetary policy or even normal monetary policy again. And it's easy money to the horizon. Uh, and that's paradise for precious metals. You know, everybody's going to want real money when that happens. And, um, you know, global investable capital is maybe 100 times as big as the market for gold and silver. So there's going to be a ton of money trying to move through a very small door into these mm-hmm. thinly traded metals, and it will, it will send them way higher from where they are. So that's when precious metals actually become a, you know, capital gains generating asset rather than a preservation of capital asset. Yeah, Doug, Doug Casey says it's like uh, Niagara Falls through a garden hose. That's what he, is he, yeah. what he equates it to. So, and I think that the uh, mining stocks obviously will do well, uh, especially, well, the producers that are making a lot of money now, I think, are finally going to have their day when people look around and realize uh, how good they are. And those companies that are finding the big deposits, and we have a number of them that we're following, uh, will also do extremely well. John, I want to thank you so much for for being with us again. And uh, we'll look to do it again sometime in the near future, hopefully. Great. Thanks, Jay. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week. Next week, Lynn Alden is with me. Quentin Henning joins me as well. uh, And Michael Oliver. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Firefox Gold is exploring in Finland in the midst of an exciting new gold rush. Firefox successfully drilled high-grade and visible gold in 2021 and is now active at four prospective projects with plans to drill continuously through the first half of 2022. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, are driving the company to discovery, and the stage is set for Firefox to identify multiple new gold deposits. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX and on the OTCQB at FFOXF. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates.